Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast presented by Generations Bank. I'm Luke Cannon. And I'm Max Harrell. Well, if you have a First Republic Bank debit card, get your Sharpie out, cross that out, and go ahead and write down Chase on it. <laughs> yeah. Is that an appropriate way to start? I don't know if that's how it's going to work. but I think that's all you have to do. Yeah. Just get some white out and just... Yeah, that'll work really well when you're trying to buy groceries and <laughs> you've got this debit card with a white out all over it. <laughs> That's how that it works. That won't be suspicious. It's real official. Yeah, that won't be suspicious at all. Um, welcome to part two uh, as we look at First Republic Bank and uh, hopefully you've listened to part one by now uh, where we were looking at this bank uh, about five days before it was sold um, yeah. to JP Morgan Chase. So. Yeah. So it's sold now. It is yeah. sold. Sold. To the highest bidder. Sign in the front yard. <laughs> yeah. It was a garage sale. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get into to what happened, uh, where we were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we really didn't know what was going on. We, we just knew something was happening. Yeah, we didn't, but it was all happening <laughs> There fast. was a draft in the air that we, yeah. could, we could tell something was stirring. So uh, Good to see you, Max. Yeah, you too, Luke. Let's do this thing. Uh, right. So First Republic Bank over the weekend uh, was bought by J.P. Morgan Chase, the nation's largest bank. Uh, just yes. got a little bigger. They got significantly bigger. Yes. Yeah. So First Republic Bank was, uh, I think I did read it at the end of 22, was the 13th largest bank in yeah. in the U.S. Um, and this is now the second Largest bank failure in history. U.S. history, for sure. That's a fact. That is a fact. <laughs> uh, yes. No need to Google. That's yeah. a fact. So uh, the terms of the deal. Are you ready for this? Oh, boy. Let's jump into the bank tank. Yeah. <laughs> the bank tank? The bank tank. Daniel, if you could put in some like bubbles, some bubble noises right there. Like we're, <laughs> we're sinking. Yeah, thank you. Okay, the deal. The deal. Uh, here's what happened. So the FDIC seized the bank. Yeah. Um, so they came in and said, you are done. It's ours now. And that happened Friday yeah. the 29th or the 28th. Yeah. yeah. And then over the weekend, uh, banks had a chance to submit an offer until noon on Sunday. And by Sunday night, I believe an agreement was made with J.P. Morgan Chase, who submitted this deal that they would acquire $173 billion in loans, $30 billion in securities, and $92 billion in deposits. Part of this deal was that they would share the losses on single-family uh, residential and commercial loans with the FDIC. Um, so key, key word there, right? Share, share, <laughs> yeah, share. I mean, how sharing many, is caring, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. What a good thing they're doing there yes. to share those losses. Yeah. Um, and then also remember in part one the thirty billion dollars that was graciously uh, supplied by uh, about ten, ten or eleven other banks yeah. that would be repaid by J.P. Morgan Chase as well. Uh, so all that all that money would be going back. Granted, they were one of I was those about banks. To say, yeah, so they're just <laughs> so they're just getting their money back in a way. I don't know what that what their portion their contribution was. This sounds like a really bad deal for who? 
no one. <laughs> Maybe the FDIC. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that that's 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 the those are the terms. That's so interesting. Um, I think uh, I think a couple of things that we want to go over today is is what happened to this bank now that we've had a week to kind of digest. Um, yeah. Digest what was going wrong. Who benefits? From this, if anyone, um, you know, is there something good we can take away from this? Uh, who's at fault and what now? So, okay, uh, let's kind of get into what happened. So, 2023 has been, um, the banking off to a rocky start, <laughs> banking wise. Yeah. yeah, great year to start a podcast though on banking, honestly. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, we we lucked out a little bit on our yeah. uh, decision time to begin this podcast. Yeah, so three banks, uh, the the three large banks that have have since failed in twenty twenty three, Silicon Valley Signature Bank, and now First Republic Bank, uh, held more in inflation adjusted assets than the twenty five banks that collapsed in two thousand eight. Wow, and I've got a little chart for you. That you can look at. If you're a viewer, you can't really look at it. But in 2008, there was one large bank that had failed. Um, I believe it was Washington Memorial. What was it called? I think it was Washington. I don't think it was Washington Memorial. Washington, Washington Mutual. Mutual. Yeah. Have you seen the Washington Memorial? That's the big pointy one, right? Yeah. Monument. Monument. Gosh, I've never been to D.C., you can't tell. Washington Mutual Bank was four hundred thirty-two billion dollars in assets, so that was that was the largest uh, failure in history. And then there were twenty-four other banks that totaled about ninety-four billion uh, altogether. So that that's what happened in two thousand eight, and now in two thousand three, just Signature, Silicon Valley, and First Republic total. Uh, those three totals are larger than than all the the collapses in two thousand eight. So. So basically the big dogs are kind of, yeah. they're struggling, yeah. right? Not the biggest dogs, but the right just under the big dogs, right? Yeah, so you could argue that the biggest dogs are maybe in a way benefiting from some of these mid-sized banks. I think that'd be a very safe argument. Yeah. So what actually happened um, to get to uh, kind of getting down now that we have some more uh, the veil has been removed right. on what actually happened here. So obviously, last week we talked about. Here's I was able to listen to the episode. Here's here were some of our predictions. Max, you might not remember. Uh, hey, by, our strong. By, by the way, <laughs> uh, the Warriors did win. So yeah, they did. You know, I don't think we talked about that. But if we did, they won in seven. Yeah, they won seven games. Yeah, so they're, they're on Oakland, round two. Yeah, San Francisco's got something going for yes. them. Yeah, just 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 to start off with the we Steph Curry's going to have to we, pawn his championship right. rings though because we, we, he, he moved his bank from Silicon and then he went to First First Republic. Gosh, that poor, guy, man. Ah, uh, poor guy. He, I mean, he can shoot the lights out of a basketball, but he's broke as far as banking decisions. He's broke. Yeah, so uh, San Francisco. Genuinely, we feel for you. It's probably actually a very uh, tumultuous time yeah. in in that area. So, our predictions last week. <laughs> this is what we came up with. Uh, First Republic was failing because Silicon Valley was in their backyard. 
Are I we, mean, were we wrong? I don't think we're just totally wrong. <laughs> um, I think we literally said we they people were looking across the street at Silicon Valley and saying, "Oh, maybe this is happening uh, at our bank too, and we need yeah. to pull our money." Well, they were shared customers, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not too far out of left field, but yeah. it's probably not the correct, hundred percent correct diagnosis. I, I guess there, there's some you know connection between the two, but obviously there were other things happening that we now know yeah so uh well number two was that they had a similar customer base yeah all right well i guess we just talked about that yeah they kind of did yeah it wasn't enough to put them over over the top yeah so uh and so those were kind of what what we had guessed that that was happening um well some off the cuff you know comments just things that uh felt like they made sense but at the same time um you know, that's not the full story. No, not at all. So what we came to find out was that um, just like Silicon Valley, um, this bank was not being managed super well. And this was a relatively new bank, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, 38 years is how long um, it lasted. It went through a couple of acquisitions yeah. in 2007-8. And then in 2010, I think it broke away again um, and went public. But... Uh, you know, this is, uh, a bank that, that is young, was young, right? is, was. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of talk about what practices they were doing. Uh, specifically the one that that's come out is how they were handling their, uh, their mortgage portfolio. So here's, here's how the article reads and I'll, I just, I want to read the beginning of this article. This is from Bloomberg. You ever heard of them? Just a few times. Okay. First Republic worked hard to woo, woo, just one woo, but woo rich clients. It was the bank's undoing. That's, that's a bold headline. Here's the, that's, you know how in like third grade English, you'd be writing a persuasive essay and they're like, you need to get a hook. You got to get a hook on your art on your paper That's to draw your readers in. Uh, here's the subheadline: The bank attracted wealthy clients with loans that have become a costly hurdle to finding a rescuer. This was written before, um, before the FDIC seized it. So yeah, but the writing was on the wall at that point, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Later last week, we we kind of found out the writing was on the wall. So yeah. So let's get into this. In America's richest enclaves. Word spread quickly. A bank was offering loans on sweet terms. How about that? Sweet terms. Yeah, if I'm... That's juicy. Yeah. Wealthy home buyers and property investors with high incomes and sterling credit scores could get a mortgage from First Republic Bank with a rock-bottom rate for several, several years. Better yet, here's the kicker, they didn't have to start repaying the principal for a decade. That is... <laughs> Meaning... They're setting these mortgage loans up on yeah. interest-only payments. Sure. What's the problem with that, Max? And well, what is what's the difference from that and a uh, an amortizing loan? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, what does amortizing mean, by the yeah, way? Yeah, I mean, a- amortizing is just essentially the uh, the process of repayment over a number of years, um, both uh, broken out into principal and interest payments. Principal being the equity that you that you build, right, 
um, or the uh, you know the actual the actual balance yeah. decreasing by making principal payments. Interest is your cost to borrow. So right. you know if you're paying interest, it's not necessarily uh, accretive to you as the borrower. But that would be uh, the cost to borrow those funds, and so um, obviously, uh, you know, on an amortizing debt, there are principal and interest uh, uh, makes up one payment. Mm-hmm. So, interest plus principal equals your payment, right? So, if you're just paying interest only, you know, you are paying a significantly less um, payment amount. Um, and you're basically just paying the cost to borrow the funds. Right. You're also not building any equity. No. Um, and the the loan balance is not decreasing at all. Yeah. So um, in, an interesting strategy. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Literally. Yes. Literally. <laughs> interesting and, only. And all that has to be funded too, right? You know, all this has to be funded. And so they have to have, uh, they have to carry an appropriate amount of, of, uh, deposits or funds to be able to fund that whole thing without any reduction in balance. Right. So it's a it's you know, something they chose to do. Yeah. Well, here's here's a little more across Manhattan, the San Francisco Bay Area and Southern California. Those terms attracted legions of wealthy clients including executives from other banks yeah. as interest rates sank during the pandemic. Um so it's got maps in here of literally where where these um, loans <clears throat> were being booked. I mean, yeah. it's literally in Manhattan, the Hamptons, Beverly Hills had over like a billion dollars worth of these mortgages that were wow. on interest-only payments just booked in 2020 and 2021. San Francisco as well, yeah, um, obviously. But um, so like, these, so, ch- so some cheap. Cheap houses over there yeah, in man. these areas, right? Yeah, no risk at all. Yeah. No, I mean, these loans individually were probably all in the millions, yeah. um, you know. So they got into uh, the the art of wooing clients. The art who had, of wooing clients. Who had a couple dollars in their wallet. So um, my thought is, if you've got these wealthy clients, why aren't you just having them pay the principal? <laughs> I mean... yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're they're offering some sort of product to be attractive to these clients. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, these are likely, you know, large loans. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen a price tag on a home in uh, Beverly Hills or the Hamptons, but I'm sure it's. You should look on Zillow. I have actually. Have you really? <laughs> yeah. You ever heard of cyber surfing at work? I do it all the time. That's. <laughs> terrifying. That's our, hear. you know, we got to get on Zillow, check out the market. But Beverly Hills, I mean, all these areas yeah. are, it's crazy the amount of uh, multi millions, right? Yeah. You know I mean? So this says by the start of this year, First Republic estimated its $137 billion uh, stockpile of mortgages would be worth about $19 billion less than their carrying value if sold off. Um, not only that, they had about $4.8 billion in unrealized losses on bonds that they intended to or intend to hold to maturity and roughly $3 billion in markdowns on other loans on its books. Sure. So there you go. Well, that is a similar theme a little bit to Silicon Valley. Absolutely. Then. So not Silicon Valley was more on the bonds. Not to the, yeah, not to the degree um, of, um, you know, of held to maturity 
bonds there uh, and securities, but there's some there is some overlap. So we weren't yeah entirely wrong. Good job. Pat yourself on the back. Well Max. done, Luke. Uh, so altogether, that means in a sale, which is what they were trying to do before the FDIC seized their bank. Yes. Uh, you know that uh, either they or the the purchaser would have to. Um, absorb those losses. Yeah, $27 billion is so, what that adds up to. All right, so let's kind of talk about why it makes sense that... So Ch- J.P. Morgan Chase, obviously, was the um, acquirer. Correct. Why does it make sense that they waited for the FDIC to take over? Well, you ever heard of a garage sale? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm having one in my neighborhood this weekend. Are you really? Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to throw some stuff out there and just take what I can get for it. Does that sound about what's happened here? Kind of sounds like it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just not, uh, it's way more attractive uh, once the FDIC takes over. Yeah. Just simply due to, and I think you mentioned at the beginning, the shared loss. So at that point, I mean, it is, the FDIC has to get rid of it at that point. Um, or they'll continue to uh, absorb loss. It, it is in their best interest, um, and and I don't even know if there's anything regulatory about it, but they, they cannot hold on to that uh, or should not hold on to that um, to that bank. And so, you know, J.P. Morgan knew, although they had plenty of firepower to, to acquire this bank, you know, prior to the FDIC taking over, why, why would you? It, it's not advantageous on their part to do that. And so... Um, they did, as you would assume anyone um, in their position would do, and they waited for the FDIC to take over, and then boom, they yeah. share the losses. They had a they had a a, a plan ready. Yeah, they had a deal ready. Did. Of course up. they did. They they probably been thinking about this for a while, honestly. So but. that's the interesting thing is yeah. this bank was um, could have failed in March. Yeah. Um, yeah. But without the like everything was pointing. Uh, towards this bank failing in March. And then for whatever reason, uh, that $30 billion that was pulled together, kind of, it did not save them, obviously. It did not rescue them. It was literally a, hey, here's here's one more month for you to figure out what you need to do. And unfortunately, they weren't able to get all their... their, uh, marbles together (laughs) they were able to figure it out and and put together a plan for sale yeah so it was a band-aid it was a band-aid on a six inch gash you know um one of the little band-aids with like a disney character on it or something i mean that's basically (laughs) what it was yeah tinkerbell i know i know you still you still use those band-aids don't you the tinkerbell ones yeah no it's uh i use the peter pan ones oh but yeah, and one of the things that's interesting, and I, I follow um, on Twitter something called the the Kobayashi letter. Ooh, and yeah, really Kobayashi. Is he verified? Uh, yes. Wow, pays the eight dollars. No, it's a it's a yellow check mark or a gold check mark. I'm not exactly what? sure what that means. I don't know if I've ever even seen that. Maybe he founded Twitter. No, that'd be Elon. Musk. No, no, Elon just bought it. Yeah. Jack. Wasn't that, th- that his name? Jack. Jack Dorsey. Jack Twitter. Jack. Um, but it was, you know, I think I was reading something. Oh, yeah. So it this is a this is a tweet from them. It says uh, large banks are painting the narrative that they they actually saved the day in this crisis. And so 
Um, and that would include JP Morgan Chase, right? One of the you know five largest banks in the world. And they're actually going to profit $5 billion in five <laughs> years. And the FDIC is covering $13 billion in losses. Yeah. So it just made a lot of sense at that point, right, for them to wait. And so now that we're at this point where, um, you know, the FDIC has taken over, J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, stepped in quickly. And yeah. they're going to get a heck of a deal because of that. Yeah. So One of the interesting things I, I read, and I didn't know this, this is just the youth of my career, Yeah. but I did not know that one bank is not allowed – to hold 10% of the United States total deposits. Did you know this, Max? I you don't go to banking school. I know. Am I smarter I than you? I do go to banking school. Because I use Google. Did I you know mean, that? So I, I knew I knew the fact that, um, you know, they don't want a centralized bank because we had one early on, right? And when, it, when the country was initially founded, we did. We had a centralized bank. Bank. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Hamilton. Old, old, old TJ. <laughs> TJ, um, the old 10. You think they ever called him TJ? I don't know. They were probably goofballs, right? I mean, surely. They're not in the musical. No, and that is a great musical. If you way. haven't seen Hamilton, uh, I'll give you Max's Disney Plus login. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just... Uh, yeah, slide into our Instagram honestly, DMs. Honestly, it's fantastic, though. And I'll give you Max's Disney Plus login. Okay. How about that? All right. <laughs> Thank you for offering off things for me. Yeah. Um, you're going to be good at this garage sale thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but we don't have a centralized bank. But we don't, yes. But we, we don't have, have a centralized bank. But, but the thing about it is, J.P. Morgan Chase, after this, is this an acquisition? Yeah. Is yeah. now over that ten percent. They made. An Are they really? They made an exception oh, for you're them. kidding. No, no, I did not know that. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So, so, 10%. so they're now the largest bank. Oh yeah, worldwide. They're over then. To, oh really? I mean, well, ten percent. They're well, over I don't know about 10%. worldwide, but they're the largest bank in the U.S. Oh yeah, and they're. Over, I did not know that. Yeah, there was a there were a couple examples of this in two thousand eight through ten as well, where some of the big three or four where they hopped over it for a little bit and then mm-hmm. did they come back? Yeah, they okay. were like, uh, it'll. It's like this reads as if they're going to be ten over ten percent, but like they're buying a bank who's actually their deposits aren't this, and yeah. it's like they'll be fine. Well, this they like fully know that they're over ten percent. So where where are they? Like, are they ten point? They're like point one. Maybe. Okay. They're so, barely over. So do, but do we think that they're going to go back underneath it? Is that kind of the thought process? You just said or? they're going to grow $5 billion a year. Well, no. I <laughs> said that they're going to earn. They're going to profit $5 billion. All right. So that's just earnings. I mean, obviously. I don't know. Some of that will go back. We'll see. Be injected back into the bank. But, but that's. Yeah. That's brand new to me. A. Yeah. B. That's just that's wild. A, I didn't. I just didn't know that was a thing until somebody pointed out like, hey, they're. Like this is at a point where they're they are looking away from some of the the laws yeah. and saying, yeah, let's just get this hand, let's put yeah. this fire out. This will be interesting to monitor. Yeah, I think I think it'd be really good to monitor this and just kind of see where this goes. Yeah, uh, I just had a few more things on First Republic. So obviously they're booking those interest only mortgages yeah. fixed for ten years. Um, those were all booked during COVID. So those were at like two or three percent. Uh, they're no. currently, they were paying 5% for funds. 
So there's, uh, right. we talked about the crunch factor. Again, we talked, <laughs> yeah, we talked about this with the SVB deal. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's just not viable. As opposed to being in bonds, these are in mortgages. Yeah. Um, so uh, in 2003, interest-only mortgages became a little popular, uh, but these were uh, peddled to uh, less credit-worthy customers. Which yeah. makes more sense in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and then in 2007, they were notorious, growing with uh, a number of with a growing number of borrowers struggling to keep up with balloon payments yeah. to uh, or sell their homes. So, um, making the, you know their their approach was making these interest only loans to customers with ample wealth, as opposed to the ample opposite. Wealth. So. That's how, I, that's how I would classify you, Luke. Ample wealth. Ample wealth of knowledge. Ample not wealth money. of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so anyways. So, yeah. That's, that's There's a lot on First Republic. And, and it's interesting as more comes out, we'll obviously know more. But, um, you know, uh, th- there were clearly some things that um, were not managed well and were, you know, things that they did that, uh, made sense in a low rate environment. Again, like SVB, a lot of this stuff made sense in a low low rate environment. Uh, but as interest rates have climbed, and you're starting to see a theme here, um, at least as far as as the some difficulties that are are coming into play as interest rates have risen so dramatically and quickly. Um, and so that's just an even further um, even furthering a reason uh, to to making sure that. You know, people are being, uh, you know, ma- managing their funds appropriately. And, and I think overall a lot of banks are. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of banks have done a really good job with making sure that they are staying, you know, appropriately capitalized. Uh, they're lending money, you know, and and, and uh, they're not doing two and a half, three percent interest only mortgages, yeah. um, you know, for 10 years or whatever that was. And so um, it's interesting to hear when that stuff comes out and you, you know, as being bankers that comes out and we're like, what are you guys thinking? I know. Even at that time, I think we both would have looked at each other going, what's going on? You know? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Well, the, everybody was making their payments. Well, sure. Can you imagine <laughs> that's when not what it's all about? Believe it or not. It's still not about though, whether you're still, making your payments. What are you thinking? Like, I mean, that's what I still interest only on a multi-million dollar house is still gosh yeah twenty thousand dollars a month or something crazy like that so but it's two um, or three percent so it's maybe a little more gracious pretty cheap money it really is i've got down here uh total deposits now at uh jp morgan chase is 2.4 trillion trillion with a t t boy we got the first t on on this podcast so (laughs) uh, one of the one of the questions that i wanted to answer is who's at fault I mean, yeah. could regulators have stopped this? I mean, we talked about this last week as well um, with yeah. Silicon Valley, but could regulators have stepped in? And and what is the the outlook now? On are we just going to have people in here all the time watching watching every bank? Yeah, you know, it's a nuanced question, right? Who's at fault? Well, there's probably several characteristics to go into it, but um, you know, management of your balance sheet, as we've talked about before, is huge in the banking system. Um, And it has been for a long time, so this is nothing new. Uh, But as people maybe try more aggressive growth strategies or as they 
uh, you know, try to take advantage of a, of a low-rate environment um, or maybe try to take certain advantages uh, that can put themselves in a difficult position. Uh, you know, ultimately they are responsible for their actions at that point, the consequences of those actions. And so, uh, you know, and, and then you, you wonder, you wonder <laughs> from a regulatory standpoint, what, what were they looking at? Um, and, yeah. and, and it's, we, we can't answer that question, right? Yeah. We were not part of those meetings, but it's, you know, at, at what point did they maybe say, hey, what, what is actually going on here? What, does this make sense uh, if interest rates you know, climb at, at a dramatic rate. And, and I don't know if those conversations were had. Yeah. Well, we are witnessing, obviously, things that have never happened before. Yeah. Not only um, these banks failing, but the climate interest rates has been yeah um, wild, to yeah. say the least. So um, we are, I mean, you talk about running stress tests, but maybe, yeah. maybe the, no, no one was really anticipating this. No, so, no. Stressing it, uh, this much is, is, is probably, yeah. uh, so not in everybody's that's tough. packet of yeah. stress test. So, but President Biden did come out and, and kind of criticize the regulators though. Um, did he? and say, listen, we've, we've got to be better, yeah. um, which I thought was interesting to hear the president talk about it. Yeah. Um, so now, yeah. what do we do? I know that one of the things that's being discussed is that the FDIC met yes. to talk about, uh, yet again, this was a, another bank, not only businesses, they did have businesses, but they had wealthy clients is how they, how sure. they referred to it as, um, you know, they were out in Hollywood probably. I wonder how, how, which celebrities banked there. I don't know. Steph? Steph. We've already talked about Steph. Steph and Clay, yeah. the Splash Brothers. Uh, so anyways. I really hope they don't listen to this, by the way. Steph and Clay, we love you. We do love you guys. You Honestly, guys are awesome. It is fun to watch you ball. Yeah. Good luck against the Lakers. Yeah, but that's right. uh, the FDIC did meet and they yeah. talked about um, what can we do? Um, we've had all these banks that have had uninsured deposits. Yeah. Is it something we're doing? They they just want to get to the bottom of it, sure. and they want to figure out is two fifty enough. Um, there are some pros and cons of raising that limit. Yeah, um, you know you have banks that then can act a little bit more uh, out of control. They can be riskier because they know that um, their funds are are secured. Yeah, are insured. I mean, and so. Um, there are pros and cons to it all, um, but they brought up, I think they met on Monday, they put out a quick statement, and they had three options. They said, we can keep it the same. We can just have the 250 and um, that would be called, let me pull it up real quick. They got a name for it, for keeping it the same? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called Limited Coverage. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Liberty Bibberty. <laughs> uh, limited Coverage, 250000 Okay. So... Obviously, we know how that works. Um, we've been doing it for a while. Yes. Uh, the second would be unlimited coverage. Wow. Sound like AT&T. Unlimited, unlimited coverage. Unlimited coverage. Yeah. And then there's targeted coverage. All right. Can I say something about the AT&T commercials? I know we're getting a little off topic here, but uh, the best deal, everyone gets the best deal. You know what that really means? It means no one's getting the best deal. Everyone's getting the same wow. deal. Philosophy. No one is getting the best deal. That's true. I just, I don't know. That drives me nuts. I do T-Mobile. 
Are we still friends? I mean, I, I'm not saying that I necessarily use AT and T. I just don't. Oh, okay, okay. No, no, but why? You, you don't know, have to tell people what the you commercials use. that they say. No, I know. Everyone's I know. getting the best deal, and then they go back and forth between an old customer and a new. Yeah, and it's like that literally means you're all getting the same deal. No one's getting the best deal. But you know what? It's stuck in your head, and we're talking about it on a podcast. Well, <laughs> their marketing team is jumping with joy right now. I think I figured them out. <laughs> Maybe that too. Yeah. So what is unlimited? Is it just you know obviously insured? Every everything's insured. Yeah, that, that would never work, right? Boy, um, <laughs> boy, oh boy, would it, would it work? I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's we're kind of going down that path right now. Here's I the mean, advantages: largely eliminates bank runs. Agree? Uh, you would assume that it would <laughs> uh, entirely eliminate bank runs. Enhances transparency, clear understanding of insurance status for depositors, which is one thing that I think some people just don't understand is that you are insured up to $250,000, which at the end of 2022 was 99% of accounts in the U.S. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do we talk about? Like the average account balance? It's, it's like, like six grand. Yeah, like six grand. So... Uh, but that eliminates depositor discipline. Ooh. Discipline. Yeah. So basically, I looked that up because I was like, what is that? Uh, depositors won't really have a, a choice or a, um ability to decide where they want to bank yeah. or leave for the right reasons or yeah, things like that. that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of uh, what that does, I guess, a little bit is just kind of uh, make it make uh, a checking account or a deposit account uh, more of a commodity because it's literally the same everywhere else. Right. Um, so I get, I get that a little bit. And then obviously it generates large effects on the deposit insurance fund. Yeah. Uh, uh, the bank and increased fees. increased assessments. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> so yes. So that, that's the part where I see that, it's most... That fund's been essentially depleted after SVB, right? Yeah. And so they're... We're, you know, banks are, are currently filling that back up, and yeah, that's going to be a tote for these banks. Yeah, huge. The last one that they were actually leaning towards would be a targeted coverage. Now, okay. this would be um, so happens on playing DB, yeah, huh? defensive back, <laughs> targeted, that's coverage. right, targeted, uh, illegal contact to the head. So, targeted coverage targets coverage, uh, to meet ongoing payment and operational needs of businesses. Yeah. Um, so this would be really hard to manage and really hard to make uh, assessments of how much. It'd basically be saying, give us an idea of what your business is yeah. or what your financial status is, and you will be. we will cater your insurance to how much wealth you have. That That's feels, how I understand that it. That feels like a lot of work. It would have to come down to like the branch level. It would be, of, that That feels like a lot of work for yeah. banks. So here, a lot of work. Here were the disadvantages. See how many times you can see, uh, hear uh, the word challenging or complex. So disadvantage one, challenging to define types of accounts. Uh, de decrease in transparency due to complexity. Increases complexity of resolutions, requires additional uh, deposit insurance funding. So it is complex to put that into order. <laughs> it's both challenging and complex. And complex, yes. yeah. Those good words. So uh, A little overused, but good words. Yeah. 
Gosh, get a thesaurus, FDIC. Oh my gosh, they say it again. So, anyways, did they say it again? Yeah, yeah, they're they're good with numbers, not words. So, <laughs> apparently, not great with numbers. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> those are the three options that they discussed. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with that. I don't know yeah. if they'll even do anything about it. Um, but we'll yeah. we'll see what happens. I so, doubt they do, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things, I guess, that comes from this and one of the things that I know we've talked about is these non-banks that are getting into the banking world and the banking sector. So obviously, this bank was bought by by J.P. Morgan Chase, another bank, the largest bank in the U.S., as we learned today. Um, What will be really interesting and something I think would be neat for us to talk about, Luke, is... What would happen if one of these banks, not banks, banks with quotes, right? What if one of these um, corporations or businesses decided to get involved? Yeah. You're talking about uh, the companies, the new banks? Yeah. I think that episode will be coming out after this, but... uh, Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, it'd be interesting to talk about it. You know, what would happen, uh, you know, if that's that's the case. And we'll talk about that later, but... uh, Yeah, what he's kind of hitting on... Large companies like Starbucks, Google. Um, yeah, they're kind of playing in the banking Apple. world now. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to hold some funds, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but the big fish continues to live in this, the, yeah. the big tuna. The big tuna. Uh, so we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. But uh, this is big news. And um, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the speed that SVB collapsed. Um, but I don't feel like this has really shook the banking world as much as SVB because yeah. SVB was 48 hours. Yes. And um, this this was a, a slow, painful death. For first, they, they were boiled alive. Instead Way slower than guillotined. SVB. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that wraps that up. I want to jump into a, 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 our first segment since this episode will be coming out uh, before um, one of the other ones that we've recorded. So yeah. this will be our first segment. If you're good to do a segment real quick. All right, quick. real quick. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, we call this segment People Also Ask. Okay? Okay. If you type in something to Google, you'll also see uh, a portion on your Google search that says People Also Ask, and it's a relevant question to what you typed in. Yeah. Um, as you click on them, it'll pull up an answer from a different web page. And uh, as you keep clicking, um, they get a little bit... Uh, more ridiculous. So okay. I, I just wanted to stay on topic with our podcast. I just typed in next generation. And you got? Well, people were also asking, what will the next generation be called? Oh, like uh, Gen Z or Gen X or? Yeah. So okay. what's the next think, generation? Is it alpha or is that already there? Yeah. So we're in alpha. It, it'd be beta then, right? Beta will be um, 2025 to 2039. That kind of stinks. Yeah. You're beta your whole life. Yeah. Not me. Okay. <laughs> Do Gen Z... Here's what people are also asking. Okay. Okay. Do Gen Z live with parents? Yes. The answer <laughs> is yes. That's what people are asking. I mean... So, uh, you're right. 30% live with their parents due to the rising cost of living. Can you believe that? Inflation. Oh, we, my gosh. We should we should talk about that. We should. Let's Damn. do an episode. I think we should. Okay. Uh People also ask, what do Gen Z love the most? Um, you got it. 
Yeah. Uh, you got it. Their parents. Nope. <laughs> For letting them graciously live with them. <laughs> no. Uh, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Oh, my <laughs> Apparently, Are you Gen Z? No. I'm a millennial. You're probably right on the cusp, I am, though. I am on the cusp. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm the last year of yeah, the millennial. I'm like the... I'm the first Gen Z ever. You don't live with your parents, do you? I don't. It's I'm winning. Winning life. Winning. Okay, people also ask, why do Gen Z use skull emoji? I mean, <laughs> to classify a bank failure. <laughs> uh, no, but maybe. Uh, have you seen people use the skull emoji before? Yeah. Uh, so here's what it said. If you thought skulls were... Reserved for Halloween. Think again. Gen Z uses them as a symbol for laughter. You've seen that, right? I have not. Are you serious? Okay. It's like when you die laughing, you use the skull emoji. Laugh so hard, your skin falls off your face. I'm too old for that, apparently. Yeah. Well, you're a millennial. You're an old head. That's right. You don't get us. You don't get me. Mm. You don't understand me. Okay. People also ask, what does Gen Z mean when they say yeet? (laughs) <laughs> do you know this millennial um like yes if you were is to, that like a yes it if means you were yes. to eat something what does that mean then you are like agreeing with it or <laughs> no it's, it means to throw to throw to yeet to throw yeah okay well you should know that one. i should know that one okay but. last one uh People were also asking, what does Gen Z call money? Let's bring it back. Okay. What does Gen Z call money? Um, There's a lot of things that people call money, but what does Gen Z call money? What do they call money? Yeah. Uh, this is just according to Google. Like bucks? Do they say... That's you know, probably like, what you would call it, but yeah. not us. Um, not us. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for classifying we with your generation. Free? I don't know. <laughs> uh, bread. 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 Uh, Why would they call that. it bread? Um, no idea. Bread is made of dough. And dough is another word for money. Okay. You don't get us. I don't. But anyways, we typed in next generation and that's what uh, people, there we go. people were also asking. So Well, good. Hopefully they'll be asking about us next time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode, please leave a five-star rating and drop a review. Follow us on our socials, which can be found in the show notes below. We will catch you next time.